0: A slight extension of the program today as we get ready for the first match of the World Cup semi-final. I'll have take over at 1.30. Gareth Wheeler will have that for you. Then uh, 1.55 kickoff between Belgium and France. We get you ready for that. We'll talk some NHL. We got Dave and TSN hockey analyst at 12.05. So just afternoon, talking about the Tavares factor with the Leafs. Also, what should Toronto be looking to do next? I'm thinking obviously on the defensive front, Where, what type of player? That's what I've been trying to rack my head around. What type of defenseman? Last week when I was on, it was, alright, Eric Carlson, the dream scenario. Not going to happen. I'd love it to. Salary cap page, Not going to happen. Not going to get Eric Carlson. Not going to happen. So, Where do you go next? I, I, and I'll I'll get Dave's take on this, is I want nice, stay-at-home, boring guys. I don't need name. I don't need any more flash. I got flash in Tavares and Matthews. I got that. I want somebody or multiple people to be steady, stay-at-home, get the puck out, protect Freddie. That's what I want. And also, the goaltending situation I don't think is being talked about enough. What are you going to do with Gareth Sparks? What's going to happen there? Do you bring him up? And really help reduce Freddie Anderson's time as a starter? Not a full split, but more than just, okay, mop up the uh, second end of a a doubleheader. Do you give Sparks 40 games? 30 games? Like, where, where, where are you looking? Where's the balance? Do you send him back to the AHL? I think that's a mistake. He's done everything there. And you want to set the tone. You want to show, with this organization now, hard work growing from within pays off. Right? You get, you do well in the Marlies, you move up. So Babcock did in Detroit. Work hard with minor leagues, move up. You get your chance. You create that cycle. You create that flow. What do you do about the goaltending situation? Go over that with Dave Poulin. Also, of course, you heard there with uh, Tristan Fitzpatrick in the Sports Center update. The Nikita Kucherov deal: eight years, seventy-six mil with Tampa Bay. The Lightning not messing around. This is going to be a fun fall, people. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're all pumped about the Leafs, obviously, but you look at that Atlantic Division: Tampa, Boston, Toronto. Like that is some firepower. Florida's still a bit of a dark horse, right? Then you really fall off after that. It'll be interesting in a kind of watching NASCAR to see if anyone crashes type of feel to see what goes on with Montreal and Ottawa. How As a Leaf fan, like, I know people get caught up. Oh, the Canadian teams, we want them all to do well. I guess, but... If you're really a Leaf fan, you hate the Canadians, and you might hate the Senators more. Does this feel good? Because when you, you get the rivalry portion of it, you want to see your rivals stomped on. But at the same point, if they're not good for a long period of time, it takes away from the rivalry. Then there's nothing really to get hot about because the team's... The, the opponent's not good. You know the result. It was like when the Habs were rolling 80s and, and 90s when, before the Leafs got good with Dougie Gilmore. They were being stomped all the time. It wasn't a rivalry to the Canadians. It's a one-sided rivalry. So, we'll, uh, we'll see. This is going to be a fun fall with the Toronto Maple Leafs in that Atlantic Division. In a few minutes' time, I'll chat with Noel Butler, TSN 690 Montreal World Cup co-host across the TSN radio network to tee up... Today's match, France versus Belgium, and then tomorrow, the other semifinal, Croatia versus England, which will then decide who will be in the final of the World Cup. We'll have some TSM panel sound from that. Scott Mitchell, Blue Jays reporter at 11.30. Uh, Roberto Suna, his hearing has been postponed to August 1st. He'll be looking to to start a rehab assignment. We'll get a, uh, or not a rehab as far as being injured, but just to get back in the flow of things. We'll talk to Scott Mitchell about that. What's the plan? What type of reception is he going to receive from the Toronto crowd when he comes back? Marcus Stroman on the hill tonight versus Atlanta. Where is Stroman at? Injured, inconsistent. I'll ask Scotty where where does he think Stroman's at? Where does he think he could get? And moving forward now, if this team is going to be going into as... I chatted with Rich Griffin of the Toronto Star last week. He said the plan coming from the front office is not a full tear-it-down rebuild. No, no. It's a reboot. Pretty much 2019 would be the down year, and 2020, you're ready to rumble. That's when, in theory, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. should be coming up, other prospects, and that's when they think the Blue Jays are going to be rolling. So if it's a one-year off... All right. Sign me up, man. Let's go. I'd be cool with that. But where does Marcus Stroman fit into that? And what about the trade bait as we approach the deadline? Jay Happ, Strada, Donaldson, right? Like, who? Even depending, if he get a little bit hot, huh? Kendris Morales with the big bat, maybe. Maybe. Have a poll question as well here at TSN 1050 Radio at Andy mc 81 Going back to the May, please. Which Maple Leaf player finishes with the most points next season? Which player finishes with the most points? Tavares, Matthews, Marner, or Nylander? So who has the most points? Tavares, Matthews, Marner, or Nylander? At the end of the year, you can vote at TSN 1050 Radio. 1230, John Pollock from PostWrestling.com, formerly of The Law. We'll go over the huge UFC fight that was from Las Vegas over the weekend. Yeah, Daniel Cormier win the return of Brock Lesnar, he shoved the champ. So that's going to set up a super fight. Also, UFC coming to Toronto in December. So we'll get John Pollock's thought about the card, the Lesnar impending fight and what we can expect possibly coming to Toronto where the UFC is at. Then some NFL talk, a little fantasy football help for you at 105 with Rich Dotson from dynastynerds.com. Rich knows his stuff folks so if you're getting ready i know jp our board out today he's he's been he's been doing his research he's been getting ready for fantasy football season keith bauer producer behind the glass as well we're all going to be taking some notes boys from rich dodson to get ready for our eventual uh, tsn fantasy football draft which by the way you're listening to you're reigning defending oh my really fantasy football really? Show. oh yeah Oh yeah! Hey man, I don't, come beat me! Come beat me, bro. Over
1: the last several months, whenever <laughs> fan whenever not even just fantasy football, but whenever football period is yes. brought up on this station, yes. somehow you somehow. find a way to bring up that is true that you're the defending reigning, reigning, defending, yes. reigning, defending. <laughs> I know, and, 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 and also champion, and also baseball, um, fantasy champ as well. How's how's your team doing right now? Second place, the distant second place, though it
0: is. <laughs> Just got to get to the tournament, baby. Right? Just got to get to the show. Just get hot at the right time. <laughs> That's right. So we'll help with your fantasy football tips. And listen, if you've got some fantasy questions, strategies for drafts, keeper leagues, dynasty, whatever, you can tweet us at AndyMC81, at TSN 1050 Radio. Try to get your questions into Rich Dots, and That's going to be at 105, some fantasy football talk. Let's get. Uh, we'll get a quick vote on the poll question, and then we'll uh, go to uh, Noel Butler for some World Cup talk. So... At TSN 1050 Radio, which Maple Leafs player finishes with the most points next season? Tavares, Matthews, Marner, or Nylander? We have uh, at Matthew Antunes two. A little awkward to say on Twitter says Tavares. He's playing with Marner. I'm calling 45 goals, 50 assists. Woo! It'd be all-time points for John Tavares. Matthew going hard on Tavares. I like it. How are we doing, JP? What are you saying? Who do you think's going who's gonna get the most points? Tavares, Matthews, Marner, or Neilander?
1: I've been struggling with this since I put it up. I think the I mean the obvious answer would obviously be Matthews or um, Matthews or Tavares, but I I gotta go with Marner, I think. I just, a Dark Horse. I, man. I, I, exactly, Dark Horse. I think playing on that line, he's got a potential for I mean infinite assists for the most part.
0: That's where it's gonna come down to. Now we know he's a setup guy, but if you can get the assists and then maybe couple in on that second power or however they divvy up the power play unit. Marner could be the dark horse, Keith. I like that. That could be the dark horse there. Uh, early results in. Uh, just put the poll up a couple minutes ago. Almost at 200. Uh, Willie Nylander not getting a lot of love. He's only at 2%. Anybody think Willie? I, as soon as I put
1: the question up, <laughs> I figure I should have either repl- maybe replaced him with Kadri or other. or Freddie yeah. Anderson?
0: <laughs> Jake Gardner, maybe. I don't know if he's still here. Willie Nylander. A, a, like... For, for Nylander, it's, it's not a setup guy, right? Like, he would have to be, we'd have to be talking about, like, 50 goals for, for Willie. So I think Willie's the dark horse there, but Tavares, Matthews, or Marner, uh, along with William Nylander, if you're a Willie fan. I'm not gonna hate on you if you're a Willie fan, that's fine. Who's gonna get the most points? Have, uh, Ma- uh, Tavares is a vote. I'm going Matthews. Okay, let's get to some World Cup soccer. Conversation. Noel Butler from TSN 690 World Cup, co-host across the TSN radio network, pre-game today at one thirty. kickoff at 2. Noel, welcome. How's it going? It's going very well. Excellent. Are you excited for today, man? Hey, it's coming down to it, right? Three matches left. This is it.
2: Unbelievable, isn't it? How, how quickly these three-plus weeks have gone, eh? Just think 32, it's crazy. 32 teams set out on this journey, a total of 64 matches to be played and as you said there, there's just four of them left. Wow! Now, and no one wants to play Saturday, do they? <laughs> well, no. Like when this,
0: when this all started out, if we were to go back to the very start, and you were told, here's the final four, who would have surprised you being in this group, if any?
2: England would be the top surprise, then Croatia, and then. Not really much of a surprise both France and Belgium
0: right right now this one today noel has the oh. the potential to be a real a real score fest like this this has a lot there's a lot of firepower between these two clubs. what are you expecting because quite often pick your sport when it looks sometimes when it looks like it's going to be just a lot of scoring or whatever then the two teams clamp down and it's a defensive struggle yeah. how do you, how do you think this one's going to play out?
2: I think that with so much at risk, a most extraordinary once-in-a-lifetime potential reward, that there will be tentative play, that there will be apprehension. I think at the start, the kick-off, both teams, it won't be so much about their capabilities on a football pitch individually or collectively. It will actually be about who best controls that adrenaline rush that is going to be like nothing ever before. Experienced by any of the players, experienced most certainly by a Didier Deschamps, the French national manager. He's on the verge of potentially doing something that's only been done twi- twice previously in World Cup finals. Win it as a player, and then to go on and to win it as a head coach. Most recently, of course, the very great friends back and bar for Germany. Um, And then you can look at Thierry Henry, can't you? Part of that successful France 98 squad. Of course, they both successfully hosted a remarkable World Cup and eventually beat Brazil in the final. And I think for the players, it it, it is a moment that they would only have dreamt about as kids. I love the fact that all that ridiculous conversation around, oh, nobody wants to win Group G because you might have to play Germany, or maybe Brazil <laughs> in the quarterfinals. These kids from Belgium or England, and we know, of course, now it was Belgium. If they had any dreams or aspirations as a young youth soccer player, they would have dreamt of playing a Brazil in a World Cup finals, ideally in a final. But if it's a quarterfinal, I'll take it. And they took it, didn't they? Yeah. And I think that, to me, that the adversity... The response of Belgium both in the round of 16 against Japan and then going up against the might and the lack of Neymar muscle in Brazil um, will will put them in a far better position, at least psychologically, than France. Um, Have they really been tested? You could say maybe by Argentina in the round of 16. They coughed up three goals. And so you look at the the capabilities creatively and in the attacking third for Belgium, Kevin de Bruyne did not sleep restlessly last night. Neither did Romelu Lukaku, neither did Eden Hazard. They look forward to challenging a French defensive system that unless someone like Paul Pogba and, of course, the meticulous Conte, the holding midfield player like nobody else in world football, they have to be on their game like not ever before. And, of course, for Conti, who is a teammate of Hazar at Chelsea Football Club, he will have somewhat of an advantage because he knows what switches on and off the Belgian captain.
0: In conversation with Noel Butler, TSN 690 World Cup co-host on Twitter, at Noel P. Butler, pre-game 1.30 kickoff at 2 p.m. Semi-final, France versus Belgium. Now, Noel... How much, if anything, do you put into that France is the second youngest roster at the World Cup? So they, they've, been, they've been fearless to this point. Yeah. It, does youth have anything to do when you start getting to this point? And as you said, the adrenaline rush, that can turn into a negative at times.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they have, uh, in Kaelin and Mbappe, they're um, truly uh, an individual. He's just a young kid. He's 19, who could go on and truly be one of the world greats of all time. He's got everything that's needed, especially in this modern game and the way that football is played, where, of course, skill sets around the beautiful game are imperative, and so is athleticism. I mean, the game is played at times at such breakneck speeds, and look at him and his ability to change direction at maximum speed. He's extraordinary to... To watch, And he's one player, obviously, to look out for this afternoon. And then they have somebody like Antoine Griezmann. Griezmann, um, to me, one of my favourite players in world football. Uh, And what he's done at Atletico Madrid is is truly remarkable. And for France, all they really know, that if Griezmann can get on the score sheet today, um, they've not ever lost a game of football when Griezmann scores. I know there's not many goals in football, people will say. But that is a wonderful thing to have in, in your locker, isn't it? As is for Belgium, they're currently on a 24-match unbeaten streak. Hmm. And this truly is their opportunity. Um, it was somewhat of a, a shocking performance for them back at Brazil 2014, the quarter-final stage. They gave way too much respect to what wasn't a very good or the very best Argentine side. And then, of course, more recently, Euro 2016 to come a cropper Against Wales, I mean, nobody had that down, did they, uh, in Vegas? And so this is their last opportunity, really. And they've got the wise head in somebody like Vincent Company at the back. Um, they will miss Thomas Muner uh, on the far right side over Flanks. He's a fantastic full-back, one of the very best in his positions in world football. And he's been imperilous in, in that position. And, of course, so instrumental in that winning goal against Japan in the round of 16, he will be missed. But, you know, this is all about as what Roberto Martinez said on the eve of the competition, the Belgian head coach. A World Cup is not won by the 11 players on the pitch, the field. It is won by the contributions of each and every single member of our 23-man squad. He was very humble after the defeat against Brazil in the quarterfinals, mentioning that they changed up their system And they allowed, finally, for Kevin De Bruyne to play in his real position, up front, in a false nine position, if you like. Pushed Lukaku over to the right side of the attack. And we all saw that extraordinary goal. And and Martinez referenced about, you know, the players and their immense belief in us changing it up and going through the game plan on the tactics board. But games of football are not won on tactics board. And it was purely down to the impeccable execution of my players through the course of the 90 minutes and you know it, it, it's a wonderful story isn't it belgium you know if you look at them and their records in world cup finals their record as a nation they have come so close so very many times and i truly believe that this is their moment finally for the red devils no last one for you here do you feel
0: that the winner of this world cup is coming out of today's match or is it no. going to be a pick
2: No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, you've got to take each and every game one at a time. And in this situation with the World Cup Finals, and it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the vast majority that are some incredible footballers over the lifetime of the World Cup Finals who've had more than one opportunity, that is very rare. And I think that at this point now, you actually take it one 45-minute half at a time it is a game of two halves, so whatever plays out in the first half today won't necessarily play out in the second half, because this is it. There is no other opportunity. You are down by a solitary goal. You have to continually go for it and take that risk that potentially that the opponent gets you on the counter-attack and then gets that insurance marker. And I don't think so. I don't think there's any correlation between what could happen today And if both of the teams play to their capabilities, this could be one of the greatest games in World Cup final history. They certainly have the players on both sides to do that. But it has no reflection to what potentially could happen in the final in Moscow Sunday. And for Belgium, if they needed any other motivation, and they truly don't, you look at the histories between these two nations, not just on a football pitch, then of course the consolation game. And they can send France to having to compete in the game nobody really wants to play on what is, of course, the most important day in the French calendar. Saturday is Bastille Day.
0: Noel, it's, one thing we do know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun starting this afternoon. you got the pregame with Gareth Wheeler at one you You've been doing a great job. Thank you Thanks, so much. God. Enjoy it.
2: Enjoy it all, Toronto, and great to be part of it.
0: It truly is an honour. Bye, lads. Absolutely. See you later. Noel Butler from TSN 690 in Montreal, World Cup co-host across the TSN radio network. So one thirty pregame, 2 p.m. kickoff here on the station, and then tomorrow, Croatia versus England, one thirty and kickoff at 2 as well. And after that, we'll have it all set up, right? It'll all be set up for who's going to battle it out in the World Cup final. Let's get to a little sound here from our TSN panel on the France-Belgium matchup. Here's Luke Waman Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell.
3: 1998 World Cup winners France will take on Belgium's golden generation in the first of the semi-finals at the World Cup in Russia. We've talked a lot about the fact that one side of the bracket has been much stronger than the other. So would you think it's fair to say, Stephen, that whoever wins this game would be the favourite heading into the final? Yeah, it's absolutely fair to say that whoever wins this match will be the favourite. They're the two best sides left in the competition. That's no disrespect to Croatia or to England, but... The quality that these these guys have shown, and you know the strength and depth that they have, for me, makes them undoubted favourites. It's going to be a mouth-watering game. You have you know, that free-flowing flair of France, the, the youthful exuberance of France. Then you have the Belgian side with a bit of experience through it as well, KJ. They can go into different formations, and they have the star power of a Kevin De Bruyne and an Eden Hazard. So, quality game of sensational players
4: throughout. Yeah, it really is. It's a great match-up. You know, in many ways, you've got Belgium, who are, you know, I think maybe three or four years ahead of this France group in terms of how, like, how battle-tested yeah. they are. And, and, and obviously, I think both of these teams have been pretty battle-tested. France had to come through that very difficult game, that up and down game against Argentina and then beat a very good Uruguay team pretty handily but I think they'll come through that better and, and, and stronger for that. Belgium obviously down against Japan, scored those three goals late and then were tremendous against Brazil in the first half so to answer your question I think the winner of this will be overwhelming
0: favourites heading into Sunday's World Cup final.
3: France and Belgium the first of the semi-finals at the World Cup they'll play in
0: St. Petersburg Yes that's today 2 o'clock on the station now the other semi-final is tomorrow also 1.30 pre-game in 2 o'clock kickoff, Croatia versus England. So the panel talks about that. KJ uh, Wildman and Caldwell again.
4: I think there's a, there's a real genuine composure about the team, they're very calm in, in, in yeah. everything that they do, tactically but also in their behaviour, whenever they scored the goal I thought they were very relaxed and, and, and it was almost an expectation that they were going to get that goal from set pieces, You a fourth goal from a corner already, it's been a massive massive, um, you know, shot in their armour so far in their attacking play Stephen so, you know, in the past I think a lot of that England shirt, a lot of the players who have played in that shirt have said it's been a very heavy shirt yeah. it's certainly not been heavy
3: for these players No it's certainly not, they've really came together as a tournaments went on, there's been a, a great belief from this bunch of players young players who've all came from different backgrounds like we spoke about and been brought together by perfect tutelage of Gareth Southgate just getting the best out of, you know, very very good football players but like I said a group that don't really have the experience at this level no baggage, no scar from any previous tournaments really and they're gelling together just nicely and playing some really really good football in the process.
4: Yeah they are and they've also got that man up top, you know the, the one genuine difference maker, yeah. the world class Player that Harry Kane is who actually they didn't actually require too much of being at that top level in the game against Sweden either. So I think that showed a good sign of England as well that they were able to get on and not necessarily just rely on the goals by Kane. As for
3: Croatia, they've had to go to extra time and penalties twice now. Will that impact them at all heading into the semi-final?
4: Yeah, I think that's a genuine question. I think actually they were deeply impacted by it in this game. I, I felt Stephen that they were slow in their movements yeah. a little bit with the Russians. And it takes, you know, it's not just physically, it's exhausting mentally as well to go through two penalty shots out like that they've done and to come through them successfully the first team since Argentina in 1990 to do it to have them to go again very quickly is gonna be very difficult mentally and physically. Yeah it
3: won't be easy there's a lot comes out of you emotionally when you're part of a penalty shootout and then been part of two in a row and they've had to find effort in both their games to go for 120 minutes and, and go through the emotion of what's happened in their games and miss Modric's penalty against Denmark and obviously yeah. the Fernandes goal late on almost in the same minutes with 116, 117th minutes of both extra time, so a lot of that comes into play, but at the end of the day, you're in the semi-final of a World Cup. They'll be ready, they'll be recuperated, they'll be you know, looking on their main superstars, Rakitic, Modric, Mandzukic, to flow them through and get them into the final.
0: Only four teams remain, Belgium, France, semi-final for the World Cup, pre-game, 1.30 kickoff at 2, right here on TSN 10.0. After the break, Scott Mitchell, RTSN 1050 Blue Jays reporter, stops by. Marcus Stroman pitching tonight against Atlanta. Roberto Asuna's hearing postponed. what should the Jays be doing at the trade deadline? Jays talk next here on Toronto Today.
5: I think the big question that they have is, okay, in a big series against these monster American League teams, the Red Sox, the Astros, how will his stuff translate? How will his performance translate? And the last two starts, eight and in third innings, 14 hits, 13 runs, seven walks. Those are kind of scary.
0: Welcome back to Toronto. Today, here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until one thirty. Then World Cup semi-final action takes over France versus Belgium. That was Buster only on if the recent poor outings for J-Hap has hurt his trade value, and at this point in the season, with the Jays as far back as they are, that's kind of, kind of where we act. We're at conversation-wise with the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome in our TSN 1050 Blue Jays reporter Scott Mitchell. Scotty, how's it going?
5: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Doing well, thank you. And you know what? Let's let's ask you that question. With Jay Happ, uh, assumingly right now the the greatest trade chip that the Blue Jays have and ready to offer, uh. Does some hit or misses or a bit of a, a a slump or struggles heading into the deadline, does that really affect Hap's value that much?
5: Well, I mean, here's the way I look at it. This definitely doesn't help. I mean, you, you don't want a guy that's, you know, pitched so well um all season long really scuffling at the worst time possible. So I mean, you know, obviously opposing GMs, guys trying to um you know look for look for a bargain at this time of year are going to point that out to Ross Atkins and you know that doesn't help negotiations but does it kill his value or diminish his value in the, in the long term once a once a deal gets done I, I don't think it does i mean all you need to look at is the fact that the worst month of Jay haps career is July. He has a 4.82 ERA, and June is the next worst month at 4.62. So he tends to go through these, I guess, early summer scuffles, if you will, and um, you know, obviously not good timing, but this is a guy who's been traded four different times in the month of July already. So um, he's clearly one of the best options on the market. Teams are going to be paying for future production, not what he's done over the past couple of starts, which hasn't been good. But, you know, these teams are looking down the road into August and September if they're smart. And, you know, overlooking, um, you know, a start or two, uh, that's probably the best idea if you're a GM looking to improve your club for a postseason run, which obviously has nothing to do with his past results.
0: And Scott, what do you think the Jays are looking for in return? It depends, obviously, where he goes. It'll be to a contender. But I guess as it really depends where we think this rebuild or retool is going to go. Because uh, I've talked to people and it was, okay, well, 2020 is going to be the year. Well, that's not that far off. Or is it going to be a longer rebuild? Like, What do you think the Jays are looking to get back?
5: Well, best player available. I mean, when you look at, uh, what they need to do right now, they need to stockpile assets. They need to get more um, talent, pitching talent, probably most likely is, is what they're looking for in, into the upper minors. Um, you know, I think when you when you look at their minor league system, um, you know, there's there's definitely a, a dearth of arms. So uh, I think any you see most of these types of deals, and you know, pitching is usually the target. Some teams like to go for those upper minor guys. Some teams like to, you know, maybe add an extra player into the deal and, and look for some some lower uh, minors type types arms that are, are maybe a little bit more under the radar, but um, you know this. This organization definitely needs pitching, and then when you when you look at what they do have, they have a tendency to um, you know stockpile these these middle infielder types, and you know I don't know that they'll deviate from that because as Ross Atkins has pointed out many different times, if you can play in the middle infield, you can probably play just about anywhere down the road. So um, you know there's a, when you look at the the, the Milwaukee Brewers particularly. Um, You know, they have a number of outfielders as well. And when you look through the Blue Jays system, um, other than Anthony Alford and, uh, you know, a couple of guys that are, you know, approaching that that quad A status, that triple A, like Dalton Pompey and Dwight Smith, who aren't exactly... Um, you know, highly regarded prospects. I, I think there's, uh, you know, probably an appetite for for a corner hitting, uh, a power hitting corner outfielder. So, um, you know, there's a number of ways they can go, but uh, you know, in the end, these types of deals, it, it's best player available. You're just trying to add, you know, as much controllable talent to the organization, um, you know, you can get in, in return for an expiring contract like that.
0: In conversation with Scott Mitchell, our TSN 1050 Blue Jays reporter on Twitter at Scotty Mitch. T.S.N. and uh, Scotty, you retweeted or not? You tweeted out yesterday: uh, no resolution in the Roberta Osuna case. We'll be back in court August first, uh, when this eventually gets sorted out. There's the uh, a whole bunch of different ways the Jays can go. I guess right. It's it's welcome him back. It's uh, uh, you, you take maybe a, a moral stand and, and try to deal him. Like, is there any idea of of what will happen to Roberta Osuna once he is cleared to play?
5: Well, every indication points to that they're going to welcome him back on August 5th when he is eligible from his 75 game suspension. And, uh, he's going to be back on a mound in a situation that, uh, you know, they deem is, is right for him. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, both manager John Gibbons, uh, GM Ross and, they're on the record saying, you know, they're going to welcome him back. He's going to go out on a, on a rehab assignment starting uh, Saturday for, for three weeks and, and get ready to pitch. And, um, you know, I, I don't see really any other way. I mean, you, you can't just, um, you know, after Major League Baseball did their due diligence and handed down that, that, that suspension, um, you know the blue jays agreed with that and when he's eligible they'll they'll put him back on a mound it sounds like so uh when you talk about trade value it gets a little tricky there uh, you mm-hmm. know uh, obviously at this point um you know it's at a it's at a low and i, I don't think any organization no matter what um, the reason for a player's stock to be low is you don't want to deal him at that point. So, um, you know, I could definitely see this club trying to, you know, rebuild his value over the final two months of the season, put him back in that closer's role, and then maybe field an offer or two in the winter because they will be there. I mean, a role this Chapman was dealt, um, you know, Gerais Familia, he's a guy who could be dealt over the next three weeks. So we've seen these guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of... Um, they look they're they're looked at as assets. They're they're not looked at as uh, you know kind of diminishing um, you know b- b- diminishing um, assets in, in other teams' eyes. They're looked at as as for what they can do on the mound. And I, I think uh, you know if the Blue Jays can uh, get him on a mound in in August and and let him pitch uh, you know like uh, we've all seen over the past couple of years, I, I think it could be a conversation in the winter if the Blue Jays um, want to move on rather than try to rehabilitate you know, his image in Toronto. In
0: conversation with Scott Mitchell, TSN 1050 Jays reporter. If we look at tonight's matchup, Scotty Jays in Atlanta taking on the Braves and Marcus Stroman on the hill. And this has been such an interesting tale all season long to see his ups, his downs, his injuries. He's coming back at a couple good starts in June, and then last time out only four and two-thirds innings, six earned runs. With a one-and-six record, the ERA at six-and-a-half where are you at with Marcus Stroman as far as his season has gone, where is that going into tonight and and what you think we're going to see the rest of this season from him?
5: Well, it's funny you you talk about trade value for Osuna and you know you can kind of look at Stroman in uh you know kind of the same vein. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, very different reasons of of why they haven't pitched well this season, but Um, You know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, has looked kind of like a shell of himself, you know, compared to last year when he was uh, by far the most consistent pitcher on the staff. And you know, obviously, there's a couple of reasons for it this year. I mean, shoulder inflammation set him back. He admitted that, uh, you know, maybe he came back too too soon from that, and obviously struggled in May and. You know, it took a toll on him mentally. Um, You know, if you watch Marcus Stroman pitch, it doesn't take long to figure out that he's a very emotional guy. And, you know, he kind of feeds off that emotion. And when it's going well, those emotions, um, you know, benefit him. When it's going bad, those emotions kind of start to get in the way of him being able to pitch and, you know, the Blue Jays really saw that for the first time this year when he really just couldn't get anybody out, didn't have the same type of command. He was giving up too many home runs and it affected him mentally. So those emotions were still showing, but they were just manifesting in a different way. So um, you know, it's interesting because he threw those those two good starts coming off the DL as you mentioned. Last time out not so not so good. It was kind of the same problems, four walks. Um, you know, the long ball got him a little bit and you know, he kinda struggled and afterwards. Um, you know, he's kind of a of, of a different pitcher, a different um you know, has a different attitude when, when he comes out of a game like that. And the blue jays wanna even out these emotions and, and you know, make sure that, that his shoulder is right by all accounts. It is right at this point, but you know they need to to figure out how to keep this guy on an even plane when things are going well when things are not going well and that will serve him well in the in the long run because you know he needs to be emotional but he also needs to figure out how to um you know use those emotions to get back on track when he's struggling so it, it's going to be interesting to see how he pitches because um, it's been such an inconsistent year for a guy who was so consistent before that. So, um, you know, leading into this trade deadline, the, there's a lot of speculation that, you know, if he does put together two, three good starts here, um, maybe a team will call and, and, and knock the Blue Jays socks off. Hmm. And, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen for, for the Blue Jays to, to listen on guys like Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Roberto Asuna they're not going to sell these guys for 50 cents on the dollar. They're going to have to be, you know, uh, not only a a market value deal, but probably one that uh, really forces the Blue Jays to, you know, not say no.
0: Last one for you here, Scotty. As far as maybe an under-the-radar trade chip, if you look at what Kendris Morales has done in June and into July, the overall stats you look at and it's eh, but in June hit 277, four homers. He's very early in July, obviously, but 375, couple long balls. If he can keep up a reasonable pace like this and is showing he's might be on the upswing, could that be a dark horse trade chip that a team says, okay, hey, you know what, as far as a, a, a bench depth power bat, this could be somebody we want to get from the Jays?
5: There's a couple factors that that probably would uh, would make that answer a no. I mean, he's owed $12 million for next year, so the Blue Jays would have to pay Mm -hmm. um, a a very significant portion of that, if not all of that. And then the fact that you know he's a DH only option, um, you know that uh, renders him pretty much useless to half of baseball because I, I just can't see a National League team. Um, looking at him as any sort of bench piece or uh, backup first baseman um, because he just offers so little versatility. So you're essentially locking yourself into the other 14 American League teams. And when you look around the American League, there, there's not a lot of spots, uh, you know, for him to land. I mean, you could look at a team like maybe Oakland, who, you know, is surprisingly still hanging around in the race and, and one of the hottest teams around right now. But um, they also have a, a number of bats that, that kind of just look like, like Morales for a cheaper price, um, you know, younger guys. So it's really hard to find a fit um, with the money and and the lack of versatility for him. So uh, it's nice, you're you're right, he has turned his season around a little bit here over the past month. But, um, you know, without eating a a significant portion of money and then just finding a fit for him, I I just really don't see it happen.
0: Might be too difficult. Uh, Scotty, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it.
5: Hey, no problem
0: anytime, man. All right. Scott Mitchell, TSN 1050 Blue Jays reporter on Twitter, at Scotty Mitch TSN. Still to come in the program, at 12.05, Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst. We'll talk Leafs. We'll talk NHL. We'll talk Kucherov signing that big deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And again, to some off-season Situations with the Maple Leafs as far as goaltending situation. Who might be a good fit on defense? What type of guy? John Pollock from PostWrestling.com at 12.30. UFC super fight this past weekend. Brock Lesnar returned in the UFC coming back to Toronto in December. Some fantasy football talk a little bit later on as well. A lot more coming up on Toronto Today.
5: Well, the first thing you've got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of... Leafs hockey. You can call this
0: new world order of... Leafs hockey. Brother. Oh, yes. Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Freddy. New world order of Leafs hockey. Coming this fall, baby. I really wish I heard that before (laughs) I let it on air. I really wish I'd heard that. That's why JP and I uh, produced it. Uh, without your your knowledge. It might have got squashed.
1: That, that, that was a great call.
0: It might have got squashed. Um, JP and I are uh, big old school wrestling fans. And um, I think this is, as we welcome you back to Toronto today here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. Uh, the, the NWO of Leafs hockey. It's a new world order. We got the pieces now. You got the stars. The whole thing with the NWO with Hulk Hogan joining Scott Hall and Kevin Nash back in 96, creating the Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWF at the time, was you had the ultimate star power. You had people coming over. You had people turning their backs on former allegiances to come and create, well, as close as you can get to a super team in pro wrestling, that's what the Leafs are doing with John Tavares. Now, we've heard, you've seen, you've read... Uh, New York islanders fans there they 're not happy. I get it i wouldn't be happy either if my franchise player left. Oh, by the way, your arena blows, and you did nothing to keep him or put anything around him. Sorry, Islander fans sorry however, however uh, some some people, some media people are still very bent out of shape, which again I can appreciate to a point. one such particular gentleman. He's the midday host, Evan Roberts, at a WFAN New York. And, uh, well, he's, he's not, he's not happy. This is what he has to say about, about John Tavares. It's almost like he secretly hated the franchise and
3: said, how can I hose them? As much as I possibly can. Oh, I got this great idea. So I'm going to basically whisper sweet nothings into the organization's ear, to the fans' ears about Belmont and Brooklyn and Long
5: Island. And I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can. I'm going to have everybody come to me in L.A. like I'm a king. And I'm going to wait as long as I, I'm going to make it as
0: painful as I can. And then I'm going to leave. But don't worry. I'm going to write a nice letter. Great. Thanks, bro. Really, Evan Roberts? And uh, listen, I I like your conspiracy theory as much as the next guy. Nine seasons in the island. Yeah, that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Sure. Okay. You know what? We're gonna we're tied up against the clock. We're gonna revisit this a little bit more later with the hate coming out of New York. New hate for John Tavares. Conspiracy to hate the franchise. He was drafted there. He did everything you wanted. He played with garbage around him. You didn't build the team, so he wanted to go home. It's not new. We'll get more into that. I'm hot over this. Well, we're going to talk to Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst at 1205 about the Leafs Tavares, maybe about this too, about the new hate coming out of Long Island against Tavares and the Maple Leafs are going to be bad guy number 1 across well, across many cities in the National Hockey League. A lot more coming up Tron, today. Leafs hockey.